0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. The graphic adventure, not the action game, the graphic adventure. Now, yeah. Aaron, the first crusade, at least as we know it here in the Western canon of civilization, was all about the retaking the Holy Land from the infidels. Uh, Now, tell me about uh, what are you going to crusade for or against in your life, Aaron? Tell me about one of your great crusades.
2: If I could go on a
0: crusade,
2: right? And I'm talking a sword yielding, like cut a sucker down. Yeah, man. I would like to go after the FCC. That's Mm. who I would go after. I would gloriously cut up suckers on my way to the top. And you know how that guy's got that big coffee cup? I'd smash that over his head and kick him <laughs> in the booty. Get him out of there. And because that guy's offered the poor folk of West Virginia and these other places in the states nothing but trouble. And and by the way, it's not just him. It's every SCC chairman we've had. Crooked. All of them. Crooked as the day is long. If I have a crusade, it's to unmonopolize Internet providers and, and cable operators. Get these suckers out of here. And let's have a free market like we're supposed to have in this country—not a bunch of monopolies. But that's where I—that's where I'd go, buddy. What about you?
0: That's a fantastic crusade. I will—I would join that crusade in a heartbeat. And uh, we could put—we could put the Amigos logo on our shield. You yeah, man. The I like it.
2: Right um, before we were killed instantly by the secret service. <laughs> yeah.
0: I believe that I'd crusade for potato skins. Like, do you know that there are many people? Yeah, there. No, 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 I'm not. No, God, no. Those are horrible. I'm talking about real deal potato skins like you get at a real deal restaurant like TGI Friday's. Okay. You mean
2: like when they cut a potato in half, they like put some spices and butter on that sucker, and you you scoop out
0: you scoop out most of the potato. Ninety nine percent of the potato is gone, and all you leave is the skin and just a little bit of potato. Then you fill that sucker full of cheese, some bacon pieces. Then you put some scallions on top. You dip that sucker in the cream or the sour cream, and then you stuff it in your face. Repeat ad nauseum.
2: I guess that I don't understand where the crusade would come into that.
0: Well, listen, there's a lot of people in this world for whom potato skins have no meaning. They haven't let potato skins into their life yet. And so what I would do is I would ride into battle with a big red skin, speaking of the NFL, but not the kind you're thinking of, the red skin potato on my shield. And I would would bring the joy and the peace of the potato skin to all of our friends throughout the world.
2: So when you say it's more like a promoter. Yeah. You would promote the why potato skins?
0: It's something I feel strongly about.
2: Why not licorice? Why not cookies? Why is that your favorite food or do you think it's been underutilized over the years?
0: Incredibly underutilized throughout the years. There are there are so many there are so many people out there that have never had a potato skin. I know it's hard to believe coming from where we come from. But it's something that I feel strongly about, and I hope to one day, you know, make that dream a reality. Is that is? Let me ask you before we move
2: on from this interesting topic. Are potato skins uh, mostly an American affair, or are are, are these something that are enjoyed worldwide? But as a world traveler, I assume you would know.
0: They're 100% an American affair. In fact, potatoes in general are just not as enjoyed as rambunctiously as we do here in America. Here in America, you're hard-pressed to find a meal without a potato on it. Uh You're going to be eating a potato nine times out of ten. And so um, the fact that, you know, we had the ingenuity, I mean, it's really part of the American dream that we were able to scoop out all the nutritious parts of the potato, throw those away and only leave the crispy skin and fill it with cheese. That's where it's at.
2: That's why we're the chiseled golden skinned Adonises that we are.
0: That's right. I look like some kind of bronze Greek god.
2: That's right. The god of sloth.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> All right, Aaron. Well, let's talk about what's been going on here in our Amigos Retro Gaming community this week. Let's start over on the YouTube page, shall we?
2: Good idea, Boaster. Now, let's let's get into some of the wackiness here. Now, let's go with my stream. This stream, well, I'd forgotten about this, but it's funny, I was talking to Brett about this earlier. I, you know, occasionally I'll just do a stream and have no idea what I'm doing. I know this is stunning to you. Uh, and... This so I decided that this stream was going to be reimagined classics. And so we went through and played a bunch of classic games that were were more uh, made after they were classic the first time.
0: The way that, tried... that that thumb that animated thumbnail is going is sort of making me ill.
2: Yeah. It's funny because that right there, I was talking <laughs> this is what I was talking to Britt about. We played uh, like a new version of Afterburner. I think mm-hmm. it was on, like the PS2. And one of the best parts of the game is it shows all the pilots at the beginning in their in their planes. And the cool guy pilot is in the cockpit of his plane smoking. <laughs> so every part of that is the dumbest thing you could do in a plane. <laughs> I hear that's something
0: a... pilots do often. Just light up. Just right there in the plane.
2: <laughs> I like that. Even if it wasn't an oxygen-rich environment that would kill you, the fact that the whole <laughs> cockpit would be filled with smoke like a pool hall. as this got careens at Mach 3. <laughs> a danger
0: Zone playing in the background. It's great. I
2: love it. Trust me, that takes Danger Zone to an exciting new level. I will say the highlight of this episode, or this show, was our p- playing of the reimagined Paperboy on the, on the N64. When I say reimagined, this was reimagined by someone that was brain damaged. It's <laughs> one of the most di- diabolical versions of Paperboy I've ever seen. So if you want to watch just some wacky fun, we had a good time uh, doing that one. Uh, let's talk about last week's ARG boat. You know, I was talking to Brett today, uh 2 weeks ago we did the ARG uh, Atari ST versus Amiga 500 boat. This was one of our the most popular episodes we've ever done. It's at least in the top 2, you know. You've got to move this your mouse pop-
0: man. You've got to move your mouse. I can't take it anymore. Thank oh my you. god, boat.
2: Get you and your hang-ups. Anyway, one of our <laughs> most popular episodes. So the follow up to this, one of our least popular episodes for a long time, <laughs> but by god, we just we just played the hand we're dealt. This time we did fight. It was fight games.
0: Well, you know, here's here's my particular theory on this. Yeah. People. you know, there are lots of people on both sides of the Atari ST Amiga, uh, you know, debate. There is nobody that's arguing for pray for death versus Killer Instinct. Well, there
2: is now. And you're looking at him. (laughs) Me. I'm going to stand up for pray for death boat. And Brent took the side of Killer Instinct. And I think universally it was agreed that Killer Instinct lost handily to pray for death. If you want well, to see well, how it y- goes down. Y- yeah,
0: you'll have to tune in. You'll have to tune yeah. in to listen to uh, Aaron's reasoned argument for yeah. for why Killer Instinct is not a good game. You you want, don't I, can, I
2: can sum up my argument for uh, Pray for Death in one word. Wacky. It's one wacky game. You can play <laughs> as Cthulhu. No said.
0: Hey, so, I'm not arguing against Pray for Death. I think, yeah. I think they're both great
1: games.
2: <laughs> Do you really? No. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were lying. So you know this has been this has been glorious. I'm so happy about this boat. Our good buddy Jack freakin flack right? aka Rob O'Hara has started his own streams going and he's been uploading them to youtube and right out of the gate here it amongst the things he plays was Mario Bros he plays a ton of stuff. I actually caught one of his streams last night. In fact, we'll talk about that in a minute. it was great. So I highly recommend checking out Rob's stuff. Uh, Boat, my good friend here, tell us about TNC Surf Design's unboxing
0: and review. So, you know, I have a very small collection. That's not true. I've got a large collection of NES games, but they're mostly the, uh, the, the, the launch release of the NES, the Black Box series. That was something that I spent many years compiling. Uh, I only have a few boxed uh, regular Nintendo games that are outside of that lineup. And so I thought, well, you know, I've been doing all of this ZX Spectrum unboxing and and reviews. Why why not do uh, something from the the NES? So I started with one of my favorite games, T&C Surf Designs. And this is one of these games that's really not a great game. Nobody's going to put this on the top 100 games of all time. But gosh darn it, it's a game I like. And I like the whole concept. You know, it's funny, Rob was talking about on one of his you don't know flax about how you know he wore skate shoes when he wasn't a skateboarder he wear op stuff and stuff like that i was sort of the same way except i wasn't even that much of a poser like i didn't even i didn't even wear the clothes i had nothing to do but it, in my mind you know i was one of these guys on the cover of tnc Surf i was standing upside down on my skirt on my on my skateboard and i always wanted some town and country surf designs clothing Guess where you're going to find that in West Virginia back in the early 90s, Aaron? Nowhere. Nobody's selling that <laughs> stuff. No, not a lot of surfing or skating going on here. No, no, no. So anyway, uh, I go through, I talk about, you know, we, we talk about the box. I go through the instructions. Some of the instructions are quite humorous. Uh, and, uh, and then I play some of the game. It's a good time. You know, if you want to watch me chill out with one of my favorite games, this is the thing to watch.
2: I love it. I love it. But By the way, I've played that game. And uh, it is not the best game, but it is it is different, I will say that. And I actually sort of enjoyed it in a weird way. So, back to our good buddy Jack Flack, who this time out, he plays, Sprite Castle plays Commodore 64. And, and it is what it sounds like. She <laughs> gets on here on stream and, play, and just plays some C64. You got Popeye in here. You've got, uh, uh, holy, now we actually played this uh, on a stream. What is the name of this crazy game? I played this. I can't remember the name right off the top of my head, but it's it's wacky. Uh, some Kung Fu. There he's playing some uh, uh, Hyper Sports. Mm-hmm. So a good mix of C64 action from your buddy Rob. Rock and Bolt. Thank you, Rob. Luckily, Johnny on the spot. Uh, so check him out. Another uh, awesome Rob flacco Hair stream. Boat. Look at this. Here it is. It finally came out. A new, let me repeat this, a new R. Sinclair Boatster.
0: That's right. Did,
2: after after popular uh, opinion forced our hand, but we were back into it with another. We, you know, we Sinclair. took we
0: took a we took a five month break from Iron Sinclair. We've been off since May, and uh, and I figured you know it was t- I wanted to pick a game that that I thought would be fun to talk about, so I picked out Action Biker, and and boy, this is. Um, this I wouldn't, you know, this is just another one of these games. I wouldn't call it a good game, but I'd call it an interesting game. And I think that we had some good talks about, you know, what makes this game fun, what they could have done better, and then we talked a lot about how it's different than the port for the C sixty four and the Atari eight bit, which was also an interesting discussion. So yeah, if I really, it, I, I enjoyed this
2: one to be honest with you. I, uh, I I think it was too ambitious for its own good, mm-hmm. frankly, uh, but I, I dug it. Uh, yeah. uh, and I liked I liked the exploration aspect of it, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so yeah, that was a good one to come back on uh, boat. I have to say I, I I have heard about that game for years. I think I even played it on one of these systems. I'm not sure which one, but I really enjoyed it boat. So that was that was a good call. So yeah, we're gonna try to get some R. Sinclair's back in the game, boat. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, and yeah. And, and keep that ball rolling. Now let's talk. Here's your good buddy. Everyone's good buddy, really. Neil.
0: Uh, and this is you looking over the calendar, right? That's right. So, you know, my calendar, my RMC charity calendar uh, appeared in the mail as if by magic. And uh, and I thought, hey, this has got a lot of cool photos about it. Why don't I sit it down in front of me and just ramble on for half an hour about all the pictures that are in it? And you that's what I did. And it's hard to believe, Aaron, that I can ramble on about nothing <laughs> for 30 that. minutes. <laughs> but I did. um, And so, yeah, there's a lot of cool systems, Aaron. It's a, it's amazing. You know, when you, when you turn through these months, uh, the the variety. And Neil really did a good job of picking out not only the finest examples of photography, but also a good mix of, you know, uh, retro computers and consoles that represent all the different areas of gaming. So yep. I was a big fan of this. I like how he worked the luggables in here, too. There's some really cool luggables that I'd never even seen before. Uh, plus the SX64, as you can see right there. Yeah. So uh, at any rate... Uh, I've just heard from Neil that these are completely sold out now. Yes. So if, if, if you want one, uh, I would suggest maybe getting in touch with him on Twitter or, you know, ask him if he's, if he's going to do another, another run in the future. Uh, it might be possible if there's enough interest out there. And like I said, I can't recommend this calendar highly enough. It's uh it's a really cool, uh, thing to hang on the wall. i got a place picked out here in Amigo studios. I to hang it on the wall. So, uh, like I said, uh, if, if you're interested uh, send him a note. Who knows? Maybe he'll be able to do another run of these. And these all benefit a charity called Heels of Malmesbury, which helps uh, low-income uh, people in that in that neck of the woods over in the U.K.
2: Outstanding. Of course, everything Neil touches turns to solid, solid gold because it's quality Speaking stuff,
0: but... of solid, solid gold, Aaron, uh, I want to go ahead and talk about this before we move on because it is Neil-related. Yep. If oh, you wouldn't yeah, mind putting going. me on the big screen.
2: Absolutely. I want to tell I'll you
0: about this book. I've re- received, in my hot little hands, Retro Tea Breaks, Selected Interviews, Volume 1. This is Neil's full-length book that he's done based on his series of interviews for his podcast series, Retro Tea Breaks. This was recently kickstarted and was uh, well-funded, and I believe is now also available for purchase. So uh, I have not had a chance to look at this yet. I've not read it. It literally just came in the mail today. But I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate the way that this book is constructed. This is no cheap book, Aaron. This is uh, very well-bound. It's got got a built-in book ribbon. It's got the sewn binding right here. And here's something I didn't expect at all. There's a section in the middle. With color photos, you know how books used to do that back in the day, where they didn't have full did, color yeah. pages, but they had that the the kind of the photo paper section in the middle. Was not expecting that level of quality. He's really knocked these out of the park, and I believe that these are available for sale on his website. So uh, this has been the Neil uh, from RMC product placement segment. We were not compensated <laughs> for this 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 part of Amigos, but I did want to talk about both those things since the book did just come today.
2: I will say I I also kickstarted Neil's book. And I am anxiously awaiting my arrival of said book in the mail, so I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, let's move, let's finish up here, and of course, now this I actually was uh, firsthand. This is a stream from just last night from Mister Flack. If you want to see someone play ten yard fight for a couple of hours, you're out of luck because he does play some ten yard fight, but a large chunk of this is Flack t- showing photos of his trip to uh, the Kong off three. And to, uh Billy Mitchell's restaurant and stories about meeting Billy Mitchell. A great story about him and uh, him making his wife eat at Ricky's, which I thought was great. Uh, so, if you want story time with Jack Flack, and listen, I think Bodo agreed. No one tells him like the Flack. Yeah, uh, when yeah, it man. he's he's a he's like a jukebox of hilarious stories. Just put all you have to do is hit the button, and, and here he goes. And he did it last night, which I love this, and I like the fact that he intermixed this in with some some ten yard fight to celebrate. Uh, uh, Thanksgiving the American way, which is with loads of football.
0: That's glorious, right. Glorious,
2: glorious thing. So good stuff there, Mr. Flack. I enjoyed that immensely. But-
0: now, Aaron, before we move on, I do have some Amiga news to share with all of you. It's very rare that I actually have Amiga news that's going on in my life at this time. So that I'd like rare. to show you uh, a couple things. If you wouldn't mind putting me on the big screen one more time. Uh, if you see behind me here, so I turn if you're watching the video and still I can speak into the microphone. Look at this. I look very, awesome very talented now. talented um, So behind me, you see the Amiga 1000 in a state of disassembly. The reason why is because I got tired of looking at my 1000 and only being able to play just like the Kickstart disc and that EA demo disc. And I was like, you know what? I've got this GoTech here. I'm going to slap this bad boy into the 1000. Even though lots of things I read online said, you can't use a GoTech in a 1000. It'll never work. It, it's not powerful enough. It totally works. So if you've got a 1000, don't be afraid. It fires right up. Now, you do have to have uh, another Amiga to be able to put the Kickstart into the right position on the GoTech, um, you, You've got to be able to put the ADF, you've got to be able to load. But once you do that, then you don't need the other Amiga. I just threw the Amiga 600 out the back door, never use it again. It's rotten away in the backyard right now. Now I've got the 1,000, that's all I need. So the next phase of the plan is our glorious, glorious listener, David Z, is uh, is agreed to uh, send me a 3D printed mount for the 1000 actually includes one of those little LED screens Aaron that tells you the name of the game right there on it no more you know six position LED readout this is the full experience and it slots right into that into the drive bay so you don't have to do anything to the outside of the Amiga there's no there's no sketchy tech shenanigans going on here if you know what I'm saying
2: you ought to to get him to make you a new cover for that uh, memory expansion
0: well I actually I do have the, the cover is right next to it I don't know if you can see it but I do have the other 1000 that that, uh, Kilobytes and Caffeine sent us that is missing the memory cover and he is he's 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 agreed to print one of those out for me so uh, that is all coming very soon. And uh, and so next week, you should see the Amiga 1000 uh, locked and loaded, playing some game uh, and uh, sitting behind me on the desk. I'm super, super excited to be able to use this thing, do some streaming from it, and uh, and get the 1000 back in action. The other thing here in Amiga Studios that I wanted to share with you, you see the Amstrad CPC over here to my left. Uh, it is uh, It is every week I'm going to feature a different system of course this cpc is not actually playing what you see on the screen what i've done is i've taken a raspberry pi i had sitting around and i've loaded a video looper utility on it and uh, i've thanks to you aaron your coin ops collection that you assembled i've got all of these videos of all these different systems so i'll pull down a different computer and i'll just have some gameplay footage of that computer running behind me to give you something interesting to look at as we film amigos every week
2: and hopefully after the COVID, we'll be able to get your amstrad straight up and running, Boat.
0: Yeah, man, that's the, I can't that's the wait.
2: Plan anyway. I can't hey, wait. I want to. I, I want to mention, by the way, uh, a thank you to both Dave, uh, David Z, for sending us just a glorious amount of goodies, which we're going to be we're going to be distributing amongst the people. And also, I want to thank uh, Kilbots and Caffeine. That was super duper generous sending that Amiga uh, One Thousand down. Uh, and uh, I want to say that uh, if you're interested, Kilobucks of Caffeine has a, a YouTube channel. He does some really unique content on there, and some real like uh, real life stuff that I think that a lot of people would appreciate. So if you get a chance to check him out, uh, I recommend it. And he's he he changes up stuff. He's really guts. He takes on some unique challenges, and I definitely think his uh, channel is definitely worth a look. So give him a shot. Uh, so, thanks to both those fellas. Hey, we appreciate uh, you guys sending us goodies down. I guess before we finish up this, but I'll go ahead. I've got a, one little thing to talk about real quick on the, okay, the, man. the front. And I was talking to our good buddy, Mark, AKA Doug, about this. This, I just opened this up today uh, during the uh, ARG Presents Marathon. This is the header for my Unamiga. Uh, this came in, and this should, will allow my Unamiga to play. Uh, MSX and um, ZX Spectrum next. ZX Spectrum next, and also C64 and NES. Yeah, man, um, will all be accessible. So, uh, I think me and Doug are going to get together, and Doug's going to hold my hand, uh, and while I whimper, and, and I'm going to go through and try and get this thing fixed up on camera, so we can uh, maybe help somebody else out that's going to be going through that same thing. Uh, and this should bring this my unamiga up to everyone else that just bought their Anamigas. And I know Doug's already done his, and he says it's the bomb. So I'm looking
0: forward to uh, doing it. I can't trivia. wait to watch you tear into some ZX Spectrum Next stuff, man. That's oh, super yeah. exciting. Oh,
2: yeah. Tell me. Oh, dude. Are you kidding me? I'm fired up about it, man. Uh, so that c- closes the door on videos, except uh, if you take the notion, uh, we are just coming off just today. We finished up the uh, ARG Presents Thanks for Giving Marathon, me and the Brent. Uh, We ran eight hours from 9 to 5 today, uh, and it's uh, over on Twitch right now. I'll be busting up a highlight reel of it, stick it on YouTube if you want to catch it there. But uh, uh, if you want to watch eight hours of me and Brent uh, furrowing our brows in a vain attempt to play online video games and doing some other stuff, we had a good time, we had a good turnout, and uh, uh, it's available over on our Twitch channel. There you go, Boat. That's the end of the video news.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about some Amiga news, shall we? Good idea. Sing it. Gamble train! (laughs) All right, Aaron. We (laughs) kick things off this week uh, with something that's not a new news story. Every once in a while, I just like to highlight a member of the Amiga community that I think is just doing a bang-up job. And that person this week is our man, Amiga Love.
2: Amiga Love. I love Amiga Love.
0: You know, uh, I've been searching the Internet far and wide for NTSC Amiga games uh, in ADF format. These are not easy to find. Uh, Most of the time, of course, when you come across ADF collections, uh, they are not labeled NTSC or PAL. And nine times out of ten, they are PAL because the Amiga non-factor in the United States. So, what we've done here, what uh, Amiga Love has done is he's actually found the NTSC games. He's pulled them from the darkest corners of the blackest flea markets and secondhand retailers of the world, the Tuesday mornings <laughs> of the world, if you will. These things were being blown out right and left because of lack of Amiga sales, and he's rescued them. <laughs> And he's ripped the ADFs so I can use them on my Amiga 1000. This was his plan from the beginning. He's like, one day someone will get an Amiga 1000 and they will want to use these. Um, Now, that's not all, though, because accompanying these files, Amiga Love has written some of the most in-depth reviews I've read on Amiga games on any platform of all the times, including magazine reviews. He really focuses his archive on role-playing games, which is not really my cup of tea. The computer role-playing game is just something that I've never really gotten into, but I've loved reading these reviews. Uh, It's so interesting to read all of his takes on, you know, the Gold Box games, a lot of these more obscure games that I'd never heard heard of, like this Arthur, the quest for Excalibur and stuff like that. Um, It's a really, really great site that he has. And like I said, Um, The ADFs, most of these ADFs he has ripped himself, and uh, they are guaranteed to be NTSC games. So if you are one of the three or four NTSC Amiga owners out there, you can join the club. Me and Aaron both have one, so there's probably about a dozen. Uh, You can join the party and go over to amigalove.com to uh, check out his reviews, join his forums, and download those ADFs.
2: You know, I never knew about this, I'll be honest with you, and I love it, I go to his forums quite often. Yeah, this I've been to his great. forums a
0: million times, but I never thought to check out his actual site, and it's amazing.
2: Yeah, this is really good. So, yeah, a good for, we're the, as usual, boat tardy to the party, my friend. Yeah, man.
0: Uh, so that, right there. yeah. So that's the first story. The second story comes to us uh, from YouTube. This is from the RetroBits channel, and this is a video about replacing the power supply fan on an Amiga three thousand. What's one thing that you know about fans on old computers, Aaron? They're loud. They're incredibly loud. They are you know, they're allowed to an extent that I can't believe that I put up with them for as long as I did in these days yeah. of, you know, more silent fans. I fire up the plastic. Fantastic. Sounds like a wind tunnel and yeah, the Amiga, yeah. you know, the Amiga is no exception to this rule. So I, I you know, for people that are interested in replacing their fans and they might want some guidance. This is a great little walkthrough that Retrobits does, does uh, talking about how he breaks down the power supply, switching out the fan, what kind of fan he used and stuff like that. So check this out. If you, uh, if you, You're still using your, you know, your big box Amiga, but you want to quiet it down a little bit.
2: He's got some good stuff over there, Boat.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up is a long form article that was submitted to us by Tapes from the Crypt on our Discord server. I remember that because this is one of these articles that's just really stuck with me. This is called The Sixth Stage of Grief is Retro Computing. And uh, it is basically a, uh, a piece about this guy's, you know, growing up, with an Amiga, with a, a, you know, an older mentor that really made a difference in his life and how he uses emulation to kind of escape back into that world. Uh, and, uh, it's a very, very well written piece. It almost reads like a piece you might find in the New Yorker or something like that. Um, and it, it's basically just a story of emulation. It's a story of the Amiga and it's a story of this, this guy's memories growing up. So I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and uh, it is over on medium.com. Of course, you can just go over to uh, gather.com and click on the link in every show notes and every podcast or on the YouTube. And you can find this uh, all of our news links. Uh, I highly recommend you read this article.
2: Good stuff, but that looks great. I'll to check that out.
0: Uh, next up is our buddy, Doug mark the 10-minute Amiga retrocast. This week, Aaron, he is reviewing the game Wiz. We've talked about Wiz several times on the yeah. podcast. It's one of these games that looks pretty cool. Got sort of a goofy-looking protagonist. Goofy protagonist, an Amiga platformer? What? It's a must, Hard to believe. Friend. Yeah. So anyway, and this time, for the first time, Doug's son has joined him to help out on this review. And boy, does he look excited. He (laughs) just can't get enough of the Amiga. I'm sure he wouldn't rather be playing the games that he likes. Uh,
2: Now, wait a minute. He does offer some pretty good insights. Well, that's the thing. The
0: great thing about talking to kids is that they don't beat around the bush. They cut straight through the crap, and they let you know where a game falls down and where it stands up. So it's good to have a younger person's perspective in there, and I think that we're going to be seeing more of this guy. Daniel is his name. And uh, I, you know, I think it's great anytime you get, you know, you get, if you can get your kids involved in the same kind of thing that they, you're into, at least to some extent. I know you and your boy, you you both enjoy a passion for playing old games. That's a really great thing that father and son can do together.
2: I my my son wouldn't have the patience to to uh, sit through one of these things. He does. We occasionally will do a stream or something, but I think it's great that Doug and, and his son are get together. And, and this is a perfect, I will say. When Luke's a little older, I'd like to do something like this because I like the idea. I mean, you're right. My younger kids just play different stuff, and so you're going to get a different perspective on a game, uh, on a game like uh, uh, like a classic Amiga game. And I'll tell you something else. I watched this myself because we we had questions about this game when we first saw it. And one thing I like about uh, Doug over there, like he, I mean, he first of all, Doug's always very complimentary, but he's not going to let people get away with stuff. And this game had some weird issues, you know, booting out of uh boot coming booting, playing the game out of the the desktop or, you know, doing stuff like that. Just, it was, it was coming out weird unless you booted from the, with with them on the floppy drive or not supporting a second drive. Uh, it, that, you know, that stuff that again, I agree with Doug is in 2020, that stuff needs to be fixed, you know? And like he said in the video, I got, I got a sneaking suspicion that, uh, uh, that they will fix this stuff. Uh, pretty quickly with a new revision uh, mm-hmm. but uh, the game looks interesting and uh, they seem to dig it you know and, they, and so I, I I think it might be a winner I'm sure we'll cross paths with it somewhere down the line so thumbs up thumbs up for a uh, 10 mark and his son for a donor review. I think that's uh, awesome. I'd, really, love see, that I'd love to see. I'd
0: love to see more of that. You know, I was given when you when you first click on the video and you go forward to the part where we're in, you know, Doug is talking and I was just sitting there. He doesn't look like he's the most enthusiastic guy in the world, but I'm sure that he enjoyed doing this. What kid doesn't love being on camera, you know? So, yeah, uh, I'd really love to see more. I'd love to see this turn into a regular series, because, again, you know, getting that person from outside sort of the Amiga bubble, getting their viewpoint on things really, uh, really really cool. Really 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 cool to see
2: i concur good job doug
0: aaron our next story has some fantastic news we've talked about amiga addict magazine for the last couple weeks as they uh, strive towards their 500 issue um, goal of being able to actually put this thing to print and i'm happy to report that they've met that goal Amiga Addict will be coming out in either physical or digital form in December, uh, so you can go over to Simulants Shop now, which uh, the uh, link is also in the show notes, and you can purchase this uh, in either physical or digital form. Look at Amiga Bill looking like a man there on the yeah, cover.
2: That right there, that's that's how you get to 500 issues. Yeah, you put Bill smiling face on the cover, and you get to work. And you got David Haney in there. It's a it's a all star cast. Uh, in their boat, I love it. I knew this was gonna. I knew this was gonna make it. What's our buddy is 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 uh. In fact, several of our buddies are involved with this. I know. I believe Ravi's editing this. Ravi's
0: involved. Pixels at Dawn is yeah. is is one of the lead writers. So uh, we've got a lot of the heavy hitters in the immediate community involved in this thing.
2: I will say this, and this is not to uh, blow smoke in yonder chat room, but. We happen to be buddies with super, super talented people, Boat, uh, who uh, 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 know their craft. They're multi-talented, and I had no doubt that this was going to fly right out of the gate, and so it makes me very happy that this is that this is going to go to print, and I'm looking forward to uh, reading it. It should be awesome, Boatster.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for all of the roundup of this week's Amiga News. Let's jump right into Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, The Graphic Adventure.
2: All right, man. do do
0: do Now listen, Boat,
2: my friend. I remember back in my nefarious days when I used to, you know, copy that floppy.
0: Mm, yes. I picked
2: up Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, the action game, and I picked up Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, the adventure game. I picked them both up, you know, because Indiana Jones, right? Right. And I'll tell you, and I haven't played it recently, but as I recall, Indiana Jones, the action game, wasn't very good. <laughs> I remember hating that game. So maybe when we go back to it, I'll like it. But I remember seeing what this game was and just not playing it. So I will say this was my first go around uh, with this particular title. Now I know you love these games. Had you had you given this one a whirl before?
0: I I had never played this one. This is uh you know a lot of these. Came from the time that, uh, you know, the, this late 80s period, uh, is I, I would just wasn't playing a whole lot of games that didn't have, uh, that, that weren't on the consoles at this time. So this was a new experience for me.
2: Yeah, it, it was for me too. And uh, now I will preface this by saying, as you know, these are not my bag. So, uh, and we'll go from there. So let's talk about this bad boy, uh, released in '89, uh, boat. And this was done uh, by the good folks over at L- the Lucasfilm developer. Now, uh, on the Amiga, these guys had a listen. Uh, I'd say of all the think about all the different developers we've looked at, and the, their games are sometimes they're good, they're sometimes they're bad. Right? Listen to this lineup of games that these guys released on the Amiga. All right, and then tell me, find the dud. Okay, Battle Hawks, 1942, Loom, Maniac Mansion. The Monkey Island, fi- their finest hour, and Zach McCracken, and this.
0: Yeah, Those and then when Asian. you w- when you combine that with the other Lucas Arts games, Lucas like, Arts games, yeah, like like Ball Blazer and Rescue on Fractalus on the eight bits. Yeah. Talk about, I mean, there's never been a movie studio that's branched out into video games that's done anything like Lucasfilm did when they made Lucas I mean, Arts.
2: They had quite a staff, and if you look at the people that worked on this game and the, and the the list of people, I didn't write them all down because it was like a thousand people. These guys, they didn't screw around. You know, they went to work. And I believe, I know some of the games they actually made on the ranch, uh, uh, the Lucas Ranch. Mm -hmm. And I think this was amongst them. I think they they must have had a headquarters out there. Mm -hmm. So that'd be kind of neat. One would wonder if the big man himself would ever wander in and put the boots to anybody. that wasn't programming fast enough or doing a good job. Um, This was coded by Dan Filner. Uh, Graphics on this were done by, I guess, guys that did a lot of work for Lucasfilm. Uh, Martin Cameron, Michael Ebert, and Steve Purcell. These guys all worked like Zach McCrack, and some of the guys worked on Fate of Atlantis and Monkey Island. So you had a lot of the same guys uh, in there. Of course, this will run on the old OCS. You know, Boat, this had a lot of conversions. It's funny for a game that I didn't play and really have not a whole lot of knowledge. This thing actually was spread out quite a bit here. Uh, it got a release on the ST, uh, the FM Towns and the Towns Marty. It's funny, those tend to get a lot of releases of adventure games, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, graphic adventure games. And, uh, of course, DOS, uh, the Mac, and the CDTV is listed as having a version of this. I don't think I've ever come across that one. That might be kind of neat. Uh, and this game uh, was... Uh, Again, a companion to a separate game that was released at the same time called The Ash Game. We're not going to get into it too much, uh, but uh, it was just another type of game. What do you think of the idea of releasing two games based on the same property right about the same
0: time, Boat? It's a strange idea, Um, and it's one that we've seen multiple times on the Amiga. Uh, I don't know if they were released in the same time, but remember Elvira had those two games that I think came out around the same time? Oh, yeah, dude. I did forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, when you, whenever you buy a license, you're trying to make your money back and uh, you you want to try and cover your bases as best you can. And with a with two genres that are as different as action and point and click adventure, you know, that Venn diagram of players is probably not going to overlap very much. So, you know, there there's some there's some merit to that idea it's just a question of paying two full teams to develop two different games if you're going to make your money back now with a flick like this i have a feeling that they probably did i don't know you know how many millions of dollars the elvira games raked in but i'm willing to bet that they didn't they didn't come out of that deal as well as uh the guys here at, at lucas arts
2: i will say i guarantee you there were less people that worked on the elvira games
0: true that's <laughs> that's, sure. that's, that's that's a good point that's a great point now,
2: before we get into this, but let's talk a little bit about the Indiana Jones franchise in terms of the films and in, in particular, this particular film. Now, uh, Indiana Jones, the last crusade was the third film. You had, you had Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom. You had this, uh, Indiana Jones, the last crusade, which was the last film for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then you had the, uh, uh, what I would consider a debacle that was Indiana Jones and the crystal skull curse, of the crystal skull, if you will. Uh, what did you think of the movies? Are you a fan of these films? Because I know you're not really into violence that much.
0: To me, this is this strikes just the right balance of, you know, action, adventure, um, comedy um, and uh, and just, you know, what going to the movies should be. Uh, Spielberg does such a great job at that. That's I guess that's sort of what he's known for. Um I love these movies. I think they're all great. Um I'm not a huge Harrison Ford fan actually. I don't think he's actually a very good actor, but um you know he is able to play this particular role very well. You know, it's it's basically Han Solo with a hat, you know.
2: I really I really like Harrison Ford actually. I thought he, I think he does a pretty good job in 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 these movies. Now, I'll grant you uh, he has, he's sort of that guy that plays, he's the rugged guy that plays the role. You know, he's that's like, that's his mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but I always, I always enjoy him. I'm not saying he's like going to win the Oscar every year, but I think he does a pretty good job. Of course, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, also, uh, you had Sean Connery as Dr. Jones, the senior, the father of Indiana, uh, who gets kidnapped in the film. Uh, you also had an opening appearance, but I believe it was River Phoenix. Yeah. Who played young Indiana Jones. <clears throat> one of the best things that came from this film was the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, uh, which uh, chronicled uh, Indiana Jones a- at different points in his life. Uh, young it's a very descriptive
0: title for the TV show.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not just... like One would think, okay, you get one young Indiana Jones, but there were actually, I believe, three. There was him as a very small kid, then like a medium age guy, and it was I really enjoyed those. I, the oldest boy version, where he was served in World War One, I. I thought that was great. Hmm, I probably that's only interesting. watched all those. I thought they were really good, and, but they got removed from TV because the ratings were low and they were expensive. Hmm. They were fun, but that was that was the, the fact that they existed was directly related to the uh, opening scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, Uh and this one, Indy's back against the Nazis. Uh, I wondered if this game suffered from uh, any release issues in Germany. I, don't, I didn't read anything about that, but one would assume because there's a lot of Nazi swastikas and Nazi stuff
0: in this. But did you hear anything about that? No, it's funny. I, I thought about that as I was, you know, first of all, yesterday was my anniversary, you know. And so I'd, I planned, you know, a super romantic evening with my wife. I said, you know what, why don't we get dressed up? Why don't we move into the living room and let's pop on Indiana Jones and the last crusade. And so that's what we did. We watched the movie last night and as I was watching this, I was thinking, um, I wonder if this game was on that index, you know, that famous index that we always hear about from our German listeners where games were just banned. I think, that you might be able to get away with it by covering up that Nazi paraphernalia, because there's not a lot of killing. In fact, there's no killing in this game, um, and maybe they could just sort of cover it up or replace that symbol with another symbol and be able to to get by with it. Although Hitler is in the game, so you know I don't know how you get around that.
2: Interesting. Ricky in our chat just mentions that the Swatchikas were edited out of the German release, which is odd to me because you're still... I mean, clearly uh, you're—Indiana Indiana's going against the Germans in this from World War II. So I guess editing out the Swatchika, you could do that and still know what's going on, presumably. Sure. I mean, Uh,
0: you're not filming anybody by doing that, but that's just... Them's the rules, as they say. Yeah, I
2: understand. Hey, listen. uh, I can understand all of it, to be honest with you. So uh, the movie was a big success, obviously, and of course, you would you would get your games out of this, and of course, the, uh, you you Indiana Jones is is prime for for one of these graphical adventure games, and so here we have Last Crusade. Now, you told me you just watched the film. Uh, I uh I will tell you up front that I did play this game straight up, and I didn't get very far. In fact, I got so not far that I just went ahead and also watched someone play it, and I'll have to say, uh, Boat, And I don't know how far you ended up getting in it, but the uh, plot of the game follows along with a movie plot pretty closely, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. This is my favorite Indiana Jones movie. And I know that it's nobody's favorite Indiana Jones movie. A lot of people
2: love this one. I I, I disagree. I think a lot of
0: people love it. I I don't think that it's not hated. You know, I just don't think that it's many people's very, very favorite. But the reason why I like this one more than the other films is because I think the story is much more interesting. I think, you know, that the the whole grail story obviously exists in real life. And if you are, a, you know, if you if you've ever read about the grail and all of the different attempts to try and recover it over the years, it's sort of fascinating. But one of the things that I love about this movie is that it literally takes you all over the world. And there are substantial scenes in each one of these places, you know. Like there's the catacombs in Italy and then they're going over and they have that whole adventure in the German castle and then they go to the Middle East and they do all that stuff. And so, to me that kept the movie interesting versus, you know, the first two movies, it's, it's basically just desert scenes over and over again. Temple of doom is my least favorite. Cause it's just like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's, it just, it, the whole movie just feels claustrophobic to me. So I love this movie because of the different scenes in the game does a great job of traveling to all these different places and making you feel like you're part of all these environments. I think it really does a good job of that.
2: Yeah. The, the, the plot, just to summarize it, is Indy is alerted that uh, his father is missing, and uh, and that uh, he gets an email. He gets an email. Listen to me. He gets mailed uh, basically a book that was his dad's, and so he uh, connects the dots to the to basically follow this mystery to determine what is what was dad was investigating, and eventually it comes to the point where he rescues his dad. I will say, not to give anything away, my favorite scene, which is recreated in this game, I might add. There's a scene where Indiana Jones is with his father. They're in Germany. They're at a a rally with Hitler. And Indy's got this real important book in his hand and Hitler comes up and takes the book and signs it. It was one of the best (laughs) scenes in the film. There's a
0: lot, you know, again, the reason why I like these movies and I don't like, you know, other kinds of movies that are maybe similar is because there's always just the right amount of comic relief. You know, whenever there's something and you're all tense up and then something happens, it's kind of goofy and you're like, ah, you know, it's just a feel good movie.
2: Now, before we get too deep into the plot of the game itself, talk to us, Boat, about the very famous Scum engine. And, of course, this uses that engine uh, in, in uh, I think, a pretty successful way. I mean, I will say I can't fault my lack of gameplay skills on on the engine. I mean, this is a pretty much tried and true engine, isn't it?
0: Yeah, this is the engine that was developed for Maniac Mansion. I believe that Scum actually stands for like scripting something for Maniac Mansion, um, and uh, and to me, any attempt to improve on it only made it worse. I like words. I like being able to read words and know what they mean because it's a word. You know what it means when it's a picture. Sometimes you know what it means, but sometimes you really don't. Um, and, uh, you know, if you look forward to the next Indiana Jones game, the uh, the fate of Atlantis, they've moved into that next generation. And I don't even know if it was still the scum engine at that point, but where you're using icons to represent actions. And instead of seeing the item in your inventory, you see a picture of that item. What this leads you to do is to have to continuously hunt Hover over the items in your inventory because you've forgotten what they are. Um, To me, that's no good. Plus, I love the – this is like my favorite time of graphics in computer games. This is – I guess you would call this maybe an EGA, you know, if you're comparing it to a DOS game, the EGA color palette, where they haven't really developed a lot of shading techniques yet. So all the colors are always big and bright and and kind of pretty to look at. If you look at Fate of Atlantis, it's very dithered. It's very there's a lot of gradients. It's a very, very brown game. And although the graphical fidelity is higher, you know, all the characters look better. The scenes are rendered more photorealistically. I don't think it's as fun to look at as a well-crafted, you know, almost pixel art, you know, uh, you know, created scene like you see in this game is beautiful. Every yeah. single place that he visits, the animation is just great. We're watching a scene right now as he's descending a staircase in Italy and you see him leave and he's big and then he's as they walk toward, he's gotten smaller. I don't know. I really dig that kind of thing. I think it's cool to watch the animations in this sort of primitive pixel art. Um, it's a game that was done with a lot of care and a lot of love. I'm going
2: to agree with almost everything you said there but this this game of course this predates the Fate of Atlantis which we looked at a while back I believe and the, and so this game you're right the graphics on this technically first of all I'm pretty I would not be surprised if Fate of Atlantis was ported over from the, uh, from the VGA whereas this this I don't know where this came from, but if it wasn't made specifically for the Amiga, I mean it was the Amiga, but these were all released simultaneously, so one would assume that these they were all worked on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, it doesn't look like it came from anything; like it looks like it was made to be here. Could the Amiga have done better graphics, more realistic or more uh, highly detailed? Yes, but for this game, this is perfect. And you're right; it does. It does walk that fine line of EGA, you know that in that era, and it's beautiful, man. It looks great. The colors are great. And you can tell the amount of detail and time that they put into all the backgrounds. I mean, everything uh, is beautiful. Everything from the airfield, the, all the stuff on the Zeppelin, the stuff in the castle—it's all very well done. It looks beautiful. And going back to the Scum Engine, this is sort of that. You could tell this was not too long after uh a maniac mansion because they sort of they sort of
1: uh
2: i'm not gonna say they changed it but they redefined it to a certain degree on other mm-hmm. games this has got this is much more maniac mansiony it looks more like that you know that original interface and it's but it's not hard to use i mean they weren't stupid they came on to something and they, and they made it work you know it looks good uh I know CD versions of this were released. I don't know if I didn't look at any. I don't know if they have any dialogue or anything. But this is another game where I would never want to hear dialogue. No. Because it runs in your head. You know what Indiana Jones sounds like. Mm -hmm. And this game is much like a lot of the LucasArts games. It has a lot of humor in it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the humor in it has nothing to do with the film. It's just wacky stuff that happens or little events. Like at the beginning, Indiana Jones comes in and he's wet, and someone asks him why he's wet. He said, "Don't ask." Well, then later, one of his buddies is wet, and he says, "Don't ask." And at the end, he's dirty, and he says, "Don't." They're just like little running gags, mm-hmm. little jokes, little funny things that Indiana Jones says uh, when he's trying to get across borders and stuff. He try he, he does a lot of like double talk to get past stuff. The humor, and I love and of course,
0: that. of course, this was designed by Ron Gilbert of Monkey Island fame. So this was really. You know, the first time you really had people that were legitimately funny working in video games before this, there were attempts to be funny um, and, you know, they, they worked to greater or lesser extents. But I really feel like this is sort of a hallmark, a a watermark. What is the mark? I don't even know what that the word I'm looking for is. Yeah. uh, The watermark, watermark, hallmark, hallmark, man. Is it hallmark? A hallmark moment. That seems like something from TV. Lower the dosage, boat. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, this is a, a watershed moment. That's the that's the word that's the word I am looking for. Um, where where games actually became laugh out loud funny. I think that the, the Lucas Arts did a, a great service to the gaming community uh, with that. Now, um, there are little things about the Scum engine that uh, even later game engines could have learned from. Like, for example, you don't have to click on walk to to go somewhere you can just click somewhere in the environment and it will walk to it and when you click on something it will tell you what it is you don't have to say look and then go to it when you when you do click on look it will give you more information about it but it's sort of that hot buttoning uh items in the background it's not like it highlights them like later games did or anything like that but it does make it easy to see what's important and what's not in each scene and so you know uh this is just a great example of a well-done adventure game
2: Now, here's, so, it looks great, it sounds great, and the dialogue's great. Okay, now, I'm gonna get real for a minute. I suck at these. And I was instantly stuck on these. I don't know how, I swear to you, I don't know how people figure these out. I really don't. I I had all kinds of trouble getting anywhere, and I kept having to cheat and go watch other people do it, until the point where I just said, well, why am I bothering playing this? Because I clearly can't get anywhere, I can't do anything. There's a scene at the beginning where Indy gets sort of like a bunch of angry students. He gets sort of caught in his office. You're supposed to leave through the window. I had all kinds of trouble figuring that out. I didn't know what to pick up. I didn't know where to go. I just, my brain is not wired to play these games.
0: Well, I think, you know, I think that that may be true to a certain extent, but also the more of these types of games you play, the more you see the patterns and and you do see patterns in games like this where you can sort of put yourself in that logical mindset to say, you know what, I bet that, you know, if I, for example, like the window opening scene, like you can't click on some things, but you can click on other things. So while I fully admit that you might be dumb, I don't think you're as dumb as you may think you are.
2: Wow! If there, if ever a backhanded compliment was given, there it was. Uh, I was reading some of the flavor text that came with this game. You know, at the beginning of it, there's a uh, there's a copy protection element uh, where it, we have to where you look at a diary, and I believe some of these actually, I don't know if all, but at least some of these actually shipped with a little like like a Indiana Jones diary type. Right, it guy. came
0: with a physical diary. Have you that actually played
2: the. Uh, have you actually. Did you. You never owned the box copy of this, I'm assuming. No,
0: I, I never played this before this week.
2: Do a lot of the. Did a lot of the LucasArts games come with uh, like feelies? Like the I Zorks? think
0: it's possible. Well, Zork wasn't a LucasArts game.
2: I know, but I'm saying like, you know how the. Oh, I see what Infocom you mean. I see what you mean. All kinds
0: of I, had, I had the Dig. And it didn't come with anything. It, but I think that when games shifted over to CD, I think they started to come with less and less of that stuff. And they they they, they put more and more stuff on the disc. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a big letdown for me. I think I've told the story before when I bought King's Quest VI. Uh, I was expecting it this big manual and everything came with it. But the, the disc version did have that. The CD-ROM version, the manual and everything was on the CD. And that was super, super lame.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, that's a trend I always hated mm-hmm. because how's that going to help you? You need to have that sucker in your hand, right, uh, Boaster? You know, just for fun, I, I I noticed that this got a. Of course, it got released for a bunch of stuff, but it actually got released for the ST. So I went over and just grabbed some footage uh, from the ST release of this and and fired it up on here to see what it looked like. And it actually, I'd say it's a uh, it's fairly comparable uh, boat. To what you're getting on the Amiga, it's not exactly the same uh, as what you would see on the Amiga, but it's it's pretty close.
0: You know, Uh, I think that the ST could produce graphics that were comparable to the Amiga version in a game like this, where you're basically just drawing pixels on a screen. You know, this is a game; it's just a a selection of pixel art with some text commands at the bottom. It's not really pushing the ST or the Amiga to its limits.
2: I I will say, there's an endearing. This games like this. you when you said this earlier about how this had a the, the feeling of the the way the graphical style. This makes me, this made me really love the game. I had no intention of sitting down and because uh, I was obviously I was playing the game while I was watching someone play it. I ended up watching the game all the way to the end. And I, of course, I've seen the movie years ago, so I sort of knew how things would go. But I but I have to say they they did a real interesting job on it. There are some bits in this. and I don't know how far you actually got when you played it, but there are several bits in this where you're guiding Indy through mazes. Right. Uh, or through so the let me let me talk about that. Let me yeah, talk about that a little bit. Get into that.
0: So here's the thing with the, the, the this is where this game falls down, and this is where this game is not aged well, is that what they tried to do was. I don't want to say artificially pad the length of the game, but they tried to mix up the gameplay by introducing several non-traditional, um, point-and-click graphic adventure game things to it. One of these things is that there are several places in the game where you have to negotiate a series of mazes, uh, and these can only be solved by trial and error. The first is in the catacombs, and this is where I checked out of the game. Um, oh, after so you, you got that far.
2: After right? you wow. break
0: through the floor. Uh, just like you do in the movie um, you go into the catacombs and then it just becomes a series of deaths uh, you know, for not doing things the right way, or you're just getting lost and turned around running into dead ends. And uh, you know, if I was a kid and had unlimited time, then I would have been like, all right, let's do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to break this code and I'd get out the map, you know, I'd get out my paper and I'd make a map and I'd go through and do it. And I can understand how that would be, you know, sort of uh sort of fun to do. Um, There's another section where you're walking around the castle in Germany, and I did not get to this part, obviously, but you're doing the same sort of thing. The castle is huge, and you're walking around, and you're talking to guards, and you have to give the right answers, and it just seemed like it was needlessly complex uh, to get through that stuff. If you play any of the later LucasArts games, like if you jump forward to Monkey Island, there's none of that stuff. Uh, they they've realized that that does not in fact make the game more fun one of the interesting things about this game is that it also incorporates an action element where you are you have to fist fight with various characters throughout the game
2: that stunned um, me that I have to say that part cuz i ended up getting in a ring with this boxer guy right. it's right at the beginning of the game right it, I
0: was stunned and, that there was an action element to that. I couldn't y- believe it. Yeah, and so you had in the, the the your trainer in the gym at the beginning of the game, you can sort of fight with him to get your handle on get a handle on the controls, which I thought was a cool a cool thing to do. Um but it turns out and like again, I didn't get far enough to where I was actually fighting anybody, but people don't tend to remember that part of the game very well. Now, those
2: never re- get over in graphic adventure games no. we you have to do something that revolves reflexes and whatnot people don't
0: like that do they right exactly uh, Ricky brings uh, another good point out there's a in, when you're in the library at the very beginning of the game there's a bunch of books okay and you have to spend a lot of time looking through these books okay this was not something that I knew before I watched the uh, somebody play this online but you physically have to click on a ton of books, read the books and glean information from these books. That is not something that's fun to do in real life. And it's definitely not something that's fun to do in a video game um, where you're just basically clicking on different books. And that's how you learn to fly the biplane. That's where you learn different things about the grail. That's where you learned. That's where the map of the catacombs is. If you don't realize that, then you're going to be screwed. And again, If you're a kid, maybe browsing through virtual shelves, uh, you know, to find information about the game would be fun. But to me, I wish that they would have just given you that, you know, at the outset, maybe as a feely or something like that. Um, So uh, at any rate, uh, aside from those those minor quibbles, this is probably, you know, it says something about a game where I did the same thing that you did. I just sat back and I watched this whole thing and it never got boring. Like you were never doing repetitive tasks. There was never a lot of backtracking and stuff like that that makes the game boring. This game moves really quickly and it takes you through the events of the game. You know, they add in just enough to make it so you're not just flying through it if you've seen the movie. But, you know, it, it really, and there's multiple endings. There's all kinds of funny death animations. It's very Dragon's Lairish in that regard. Um, and there are multiple ways to win as well so you can do all kinds of different things that you can do like you can skip the biplane sequence all together and you can take a, dir- a dirigible dirigible the thing on the zeppelin album cover yeah. um and uh and and so that's just an example at the end of the game you can either win and keep the girl or the girl can take the uh the the grail try and escape she can die and then you end up saving the grail there's all kinds of and again for 1989 to have things like alternate endings and stuff like that, I mean, this game was really ahead of its time, and uh, you know, I think it ought to be lauded for that.
2: I think I agree with almost everything you said. The only parts of this game I didn't like to to watch, and I'm sure the playing wouldn't be fun. is exactly the things you talked about, the, all the stuff in the maze. Yeah, because I watched someone that knew what they were doing, and even that was, I was like, my god, I can never get through that. So yeah. I can imagine that you giving up right there. I don't blame you. That's exactly where I would have checked out too. That just looked. Ludic- ludic- ludicrous! The castle part made a little more sense because that I mean you're on that's not nearly as mazy, mm-hmm. so I can understand that part. But yeah, that was no good. I was kind of disappointed that you didn't get to play as young Indiana Jones a little. I'll be honest with you, I thought that would have been fun to have done. I uh, which all you see is that I will say the credits in this are awesome as we're watching them now uh, on the train cars as you see young Indiana Jones running from car to car. I love that scene in the movie. In fact, like, that was my favorite part of the whole film. To be honest with you, uh, and. I would like to have seen that implemented in the actual game. In fact, I would like to see a game just based on that, if you want the truth. Mm-hmm. I'd like to have had a game based on some of his uh, the, the Young indigenous Chronicles. I think they actually made some games for like, the Super Nintendo and stuff, but I'm talking like a game like this would have been a lot more fun. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> overall, uh, you know, I, again, this isn't a game I'm going to go back to play. Also, I've watched the whole thing. But if, if Graphic Adventures are your bag, I mean, heck, how do you, you know? We know which ones that we think are the best ones on the Amiga. Does this bear? Do you put this in the top five or six? You think?
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, for yeah. me, Monkey Island is a series, you know, one and two are the best. This is right up there with Flight of the Amazon Queen. Flight of the Amazon Queen looks better, it, it decidedly yeah. looks better. But in terms of the plot, um, you know, in terms of the the presentation, the care that was put into it, I mean, I put this right up there with it. I would put all of those that I've mentioned above Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, um, which I just didn't it just didn't strike that same chord for me. Maybe because I was already familiar with The Last Crusade that it had something to do with it, but I think that this game just doesn't, you know, it's just a little bit more goofy and I like goofy.
2: Yeah. Uh I will say this game when it was released was very popular. According to what I found out, it says here that uh was At the time of its release, it was the best-selling Lucasfilm game ever, uh, with sales over 250000 which was no easy feat back in those days. Uh, and it did pretty well in terms of the uh, scores with the various Amiga mags. Uh, I'm not going to run over all these because there's so many, but Amiga, I actually give it a 91%. Uh, you, Amiga format, it's funny, Amiga format, as, as usual, they went back and rescored this, but for once, they actually rescored it higher. Amiga Format gave this, believe it or not, Boat, gave this a 71%. That's insane. And they, they came back four years later and gave it an 82. Which I, that's I, I don't, There must be a story behind that. Mm-hmm. Amiga Joker gave it an 81. CU Amiga gave it a 92 uh, the second time around. And the first time around, I gave it a 93, so it went down a point. <laughs> Some of these scores are surprising to me, to be honest with you. Uh, the one gave it an 88%. Uh, so, so I you I don't know I I thought that I kind of thought it would score a little bit higher than that. Lemon clocks us in at an eight point five two, so it 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 pretty high praise for the people over at Lemon. Yeah, I uh, what did we get any Discord action on this with Boatster?
0: We got quite a bit. We got quite a bit this uh this week, Aaron. Uh, we start things off. With Ricky DeRocher. He says, Another great point and click classic from Lucasfilm Games. The action sequences are a bit clunky, though, including the almost impossible to beat biplane sequence and the never ending fistfights. An option to skip them would have been nice. Also, I wish that more elements from the movie were incorporated into the game, such as the desert tank battle. I love that one when he shoots like the three guys right through. That's cool. Yeah. Salah, the brothers of the cruciform sword, etc. But overall, it's a great release that is not to be missed by adventure game fans. Chris Folds writes, back in the day, I loved Star Wars, Indiana Jones, simulation games and point and click games. So when an indie point and click game came out, it was uh, the meeting of a Venn diagram. I love this game in the day. And refuse to play it today, uh, as I don't want my memories crushed by any modern-day niggles. <laughs> I still maintain that the follow-up game, The Fate of Atlantis, was, good enough, uh, was a good enough script for a movie. I give this 8 out of 10. Benny Cake writes, Lucasfilm Games hadn't quite mastered the point-and-click adventure at this point, but they were getting close. I've always loved the movie since seeing it in the cinema with my father, and the game captures the feel of it perfectly. The puzzles are difficult, but not impossible, with a few slightly different routes, which gives some replay value. The one drawback are the punch-ups, which are awkward and not a lot of fun. As a result, I found myself saving the game obsessively. Overall, though, this is one of the greats and a worthy 8 out of 10. Zorglub writes, I loved it back in the day and still do. As adventure games go, the series of LucasArts games were great for their time, and the Amiga versions are great versions. I love these games, and this one in particular. 8 out of 10. Paul, a.k.a. Hermski, writes, A herm firm 9 out of 10. I don't mind admitting that adventure games were, and still are, my favorite genre. Right back to the 8-bit text adventures to the new 4K generation console games. I remember completing this game without the aid of any hints, and fully emerging myself into the game. The use of a notebook and pen, recording my notes and inventory was gratifying. My book would go everywhere with me, wherever I needed to de-stress and and take a break with a mug of tea. I would ponder over my puzzles, immersing myself once again into my virtual world. Overall, a really good game, but sadly, it loses its one mark to Monkey Island. And I'm going to take a break, Aaron, to just say this is exactly what I'm talking about you, you know, if you can devote yourself fully to a game like this, which is what I did when I was a kid. And like I said, if you've got a notebook that you're carrying around with all your notes, it's almost like you're, you know, Henry Jones Sr. with your grail diary. You know, you're trying to put things together in your in your free time. That's that's what these games are all about. And that's how you truly enjoy these games. So, Paul, I was really glad to read that review that really put me in the mindset of somebody that really, you know, was passionate about this game. We move on with L and his review. He says, I've always loved adventures, starting with pure text adventures on the ZX81 and ZX Spectrum. Early point-and-click adventures I often found somewhat disappointing, though. Too many insta-deaths just because you pick something up. And then came Lucasfilm. Their games allowed for experimentation, making them way more fun to play. This game was actually the first Lucasfilm point-and-click adventure I played, be it on the Atari ST. Playing it now brings back a lot of good memories, but it is also clear that the developers had not completely hit their stride yet. All in all, still a fun game to play. 8 out of 10. And Pixels at Dawn finishes our review roundup by saying, This was my first time with this game, so I was excited to see what it had to offer. The intro was a lot of fun, the dialogue is well written, and it generally looks pretty good for the time it came out. I think it falls closer to the level of point-and-click development of Maniac Mansion than something like Monkey Island. And hence, the interface feels quite clunky these days. I also ran into a couple of obscure puzzles early on, which didn't help my enjoyment of the game. Overall, it's good fun, however, but doesn't stand up against its successors. 7 out of 10. Another thing that we should talk about, Aaron, is this is one of these games that gives you a score at the end. So even even though it's possible to beat the game and of course whenever you die it also gives you a score so even though it's possible to beat the game this game does offer some replay value as you try and increase your score now I, like I said because I haven't actually seen the real instructions I don't know if they tell you like 500 and something is the perfect score so you have something to work through but um, giving you know ha- allowing you to complete the game and then go back and do it differently or do it you know quote unquote better is a really really cool thing I really like that
2: yeah I agree on that but um, I looked this up on eBay. I I had a feeling this was gonna go for some bucks, and it does. I found uh complete in box versions going anywhere from ninety dollars up to $150. Wow. And that's sold, uh, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the discs alone I even I saw going for as much as thirty-six dollars. So this thing commands pretty good money. Of course, I'm not surprised a lot of these old LucasArts games are very popular and are very uh worth uh, money. So there you go. A a fun, I have to say. uh, uh, I knew this was going to be a busy week for me, and but I managed to set aside some time for this, and I really was pleasantly surprised. Again, I wish I was better at these, but I did enjoy it, and I do. I really the look of it, I will say. Did it for me. I thought it was an excellent looking game.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We want to thank Zorglub, the Amigos Game Selection Committee member, for uh, suggesting this game to the committee, and we want to thank the committee for voting on it. Good job, Amigos Game Selection Committee. If you are interested in supporting the show and becoming a member of the Amigos Game Selection Committee, please feel free to visit our page at Patreon.com/slash Amigos Podcast. Uh, speaking of the Patreon song last week, Aaron. Um, we had probably the most, uh, correct entries that we've ever had for any song that we've ever done. Uh, it was a, uh, it was an avalanche of correct entries. We had some incorrect entries also, but, uh, most people that guests got it right. Um, we started out, uh, we, I got a message that said, I raised my hand so quickly after hearing it, I almost pulled a muscle. <laughs> her muscle and uh the name of the song of course was pulling muscles from a shell by squeeze are you familiar with that song aaron no i don't know that Maybe, one man yeah well it's uh rob o'hara correct answer we also had correct responses from christian russell mitsuyama frodo nl kate fox memories of a spectrum gamer and Jigglebox. so congratulations to everyone your, uh, uh, your
2: band and you did a great job on that boat. I really with yeah. that.
0: Patreon band did a great job, um, and of course, we want to thank some people, all the fine folks that make this show happen week in, week out. Even after an eight-hour gaming marathon has happened today, uh, we've got a bunch of Twitch subscribers to thank. Uh, we want to thank uh, Roscoe five hundred, Mister Cola, Hasifa, Coconut eighty one, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, David. You know what? This is the first time because I never see this capitalized properly. I always wanted to call him David Zinas, but that's not what it means at all. It's David Z in Arizona. David Z in AZ.
2: Although David Zinas is, is pretty good. but
0: This is another bomb six, uh, uh, bomb whatever.
2: six the whatever. <laughs> bomb six, the bass. <laughs> Congratulations. You're as dumb
0: as the Brent. Well done. That's is Edvin Helland, Wolf Adon, Frodo NL, RMC Retro, Gamlet 72, Mori Fumi, Roshi MSX, Negsol, Wishbone, Uber Scooper Diver, Gary Heather, De- Dan versus Donuts, Signor Bjornal, I'll be sure, Jigglebox, Graham <laughs> NCFC, F- Mitsuyama, Tenmark, Still Adolescing, Old Beast and Hermski, Air Jury, Memories of a Spectrum Gamer, Litwarski, Ten underscore Foil, Spy Hunter 2016, sorry, I'm sorry, Spy Hunter UK 2016, Pints and Amiga, Buck Owens, Macintosh Librarian, Rob O'Hara, Dave Velociraptor, Tom Pops, Duncan Styles, Amigos Retro Gaming. Oh, that's me. I get included somehow. I've been a, I've been a supporter of this show for 37 months, Aaron. Can you believe Finally. it? Finally. <laughs> Chris Fold, Retro Jerry, Christian Russell, Fedarta, and Judge Dave. Thank My you God, guys that's gotta so much. be the most much. people we've ever had. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing.
2: A, that's a ton of people. And a lot, do, a lot of great uh, uh, content makers in that mix, too. You just yeah, keep naming them off. I'm like, wow.
0: <laughs> we do uh, record the show live every Friday night around 4 or 5 o'clock. Uh, you're welcome to join us. It's always a good time in the chat if you're able. Um, and, uh, of course, we would not be anything without our list of Patreon supporters, Aaron. And uh, I've been thinking about doing this. is a little uh, unplugged. It's, it's going to be unplugged and incredibly obscure. Does that excite you?
2: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you know this week's Patreon song challenge, I salute you. Uh, you can send me a message at john at amigospodcast.com. Here we go.
1: Data dog heavy systems, Bundy frag lord Mark Byland. Olaf, Hope, Hermsky Jonah, a.k.a. Simulant, Ethan, Little, Alien Breeder, Dave, Velociraptor, Calvert Boy, Lane Denson, Luke Hudson, John Cook, Bomb the Base, Rose Frodo and El Sol Incisor, Tech Mage Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Denningtons, or Glob, Commodore Kid Reflection, Simon Letch, Cap'n Crispy, Kill and Caffeine. Gary, Heather, Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster, Minator, 10-Minute Amiga, Retrocast, Bernard Quinn, Retro, R.M.C., Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harris, and Kyle Letter. Rob O'Hara, Matthew Laramore, Andy Craig, Sean Zoe, Barkbit, Rollin' Burr. Andrew Monk, Joe the Zombie, Leaf Kelland, Alan Kebab, Checko, Tay Level, Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRosha, Creepy Dead Boy, Figgy CTZ, The Slow Norris Steph on Sorgordon Mortensen, Edvin Helen, Blindo75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Folds, Dream Lauren Giroux, Grambeb Key, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's retro and vintage, Gary Hucker, Paul Harrington, Duncan Styles, tapes from the crypt, Josh, Nan, Adam, Bradley, Jonas, Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim, Tommy, Humbertstadt, Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warnes, Pixels at Dawn, and Kjellbjorn Barman. Unplug and obscure.
2: I suggest plugging. (laughs) My my suggestion. All right, guys. So plug in.
0: So this week we played Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Next week, Aaron, we're heading out to the Lynx. You know, they they postponed the Masters until November. It's normally in April. So this yeah. is sort of the the follow up to the Masters where you and I will play Nick Faldo's fighting golf. Oh, not this just is normal one of your golf. Old
2: standout uh, boat solo plays. Isn't yeah, it? this is one, this of, this our is one of our more famous, h-
0: highest watched shows back in the day. It was. <laughs> People just couldn't get enough of it. I said this earlier during the, uh, the, um, the Thanks for Giving Marathon, but someone actually, I think it was an older gentleman, commented on this video as if I was Nick Faldo himself. He's like, I really loved you, man, back in the early 80s. You were great. So You should
2: have just kept that going. You know, I'm down on my luck. I could use a few bucks. I'm Nick <laughs> Faldo, though.
0: <laughs> All right. And of course, we want to thank all the fine folks who have taken the time out of their busy Friday evening and stayed up incredibly late for those of you over in Europe to watch Amigos Live. First of all, we want to thank our tireless moderators, Duncan Styles and Pixels at Dawn Game. You guys do an amazing job. And we want to thank Tenmark, Amiga Builder, A Required. Artjom V2, Atten, Barkbit, Brock 101, Buck Owens, Cobrian, Commander Roop, Crazy IC, Krivy, David Z, N-A-Z, Dinu, Duke L Hudson, Edvin Helland, Electrical Longboard, Eddie 37459, Frodo, Gary Heather, Gianni Bit, Hermsky, John Marshall 3, Casserin L Curtis, B, Lemon Juices 12. Let's do this music, Lord Soup Lurks. Maybe, if I look out of his window, Mitsuyama, Mr. Cola, Olaf, Hope, Picard 2010, R-Type R, Raidens, Ricky DeRocher, Rob O'Hara, Super Tech Boy, Tom Toms, Terminal Gain, TenFoil, VNK, Vigoro Pros, Wishbone, and Z9K9. Thank you guys so much for staying up late with us and enjoying a, a, a great Friday night.
2: Some of those people have been here all day, but
0: <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> See, if you were days. here for the... If you were here for thanks for giving, thanks again so much for uh, for 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 tuning in and for another great year of just, you know, uh, fun gaming, a great community, I swear, and we have the best community on the internet. There's no question about it in my mind.
2: They put up with us, so they got it. That's gotta... right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all. Appreciate you.
0: <laughs> all right, Aaron. It's been a fun show. We'll be back again next Friday night with Nick Faldo's Fighting Golf. Until then, adios. adios.